Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 144 of the Mandolins and Beer Podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. How's everybody doing? This one was a really great conversation. Uh, I speak with uh, John and Jill Turpin, and they have put on this amazing festival called Green Mountain Bluegrass and Roots Festival. It takes place in Manchester, Vermont, August 19th through the 21st. And when I saw the lineup for this, I was just like, oh my goodness, this is like a mandolins and beer dream. Watch House, Punch Brothers, Sarah Jarrow's Leftover Salmon, Hocktail, Daryl Anger playing an entire album, the E and uh, album. I mean, the lineup is, in, is insane. And in, in much like myself, in a way, they're two huge fans of music that just decided they wanted to put on a festival. And this is, this is incredible, and so it was really inspiring talking to them, kind of like parallel journeys in a way, and I'm, gonna, I'm so excited to go up to this festival, you'll hear that probably a hundred times during this podcast, but yeah, so check this out, it's at greenmountainbluegrass.com, you can still get tickets, the lineup is insane, and so we had a really great conversation, what a nice couple. So anyway, before we get into that though, let's get in to the sponsors. I hope you all have been taking advantage of the 10% off from Straight Up Strings. My friend Roger Simonoff is giving people 10% off, and by people I mean mandolins and beer listeners, off sets of strings. Not the packs, the packs are already discounted, but you get 10% off the sets. If you go to straightupstrings.com, you can read about all the work that Roger has put into trying to get the most even-sounding set of strings out there. I mean, their tagline is every note of every chord. Who doesn't love trying new strings out, especially at a discount? So go to straightupstrings.com now and in all caps, enter Mando Beer at checkout and get yourself a generous 10% off. And don't forget to sign up for the newsletter while you're there. Peghead Nation. With Peghead Nation streaming video courses in mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, and bass, you'll learn bluegrass, old time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in Roots music. Who you ask? How about Sharon Gilchrist, Joe K. Walsh, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Fibish, Chad Manning, and Ian Corey. From beginner to advanced, they have it all. Bluegrass, old-time jazz, you heard it. Courses include high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab, play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play. Join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now. Get your first month for free. Go to PegheadNation.com and use the promo code MandolinBeer at checkout. Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at NorthfieldMandolins.com. Download their app at MandoSummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. Also, don't forget if you are in the Michigan area, they have their String Summit uh, on August 4th. So be sure and check that out. My buddies in Wilson Thicket will be playing there. Wilson Thicket just played the Elderly Instruments 50th Anniversary Party as well. So if you're in Michigan, you have to make a trip to Elderly. Elderly Instruments is your trusted source for new, used, and vintage fretted and stringed instruments. For the experienced beginner player, their vast selection of mandolins, guitars, banjos, ukuleles, did I mention mandolins? Includes all of the accessories and books to go with them. All instruments are inspected and set up for easy playability, and their down-to-earth and knowledgeable staff are there to help. Now in their 50th year, they're family owned and operated. They ship worldwide. You don't even have to live in Michigan or be in Michigan. You can visit them at elderly.com anytime or call them at 517-372-7880. Tell them mandolins and beer sent you. And Ellis Mandolins, handcrafted mandolins designed and built 
in Austin, Texas. All right, y'all. Let's get into this interview here. It was a fantastic one. And actually, if you go to mandolinsandbeer.com too, the song samples that you hear, I now have links that will take you right to the band camp or wherever else the, avail- the album is available if it's not available on Bandcamp. So there you go. Support your mandolin artists, everybody. Oh, yeah. Congratulations to Ethan Satiawan for making it on his Kickstarter, by the way. I can't wait to hear that album. All right. Let's get into it. Cheers, everybody. Well, now it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast John and Jill Turpin. They are the founders of the Green Mountain Bluegrass and Roots Festival. How y'all doing? We're great. Thank you so much for having us. Man, thank you so much for doing it. Uh, This festival lineup, it, it takes place August 19th through the 21st here coming up. And the lineup, we were just talking about, it is like the greatest lineup for me, uh, and I would imagine for many listeners of this podcast, the lineup, Watch House, Punch Brothers, Sarah Droz, and that's part of that American acoustic um, yeah. thing that they were doing. You got Leftover Salmon playing electric acoustic, Hawktail, uh, Daryl Anger, and, and the lineup from the E and A, uh, I think that's how you say it, or E and A. <laughs> yeah. Michael Daves, Jake Jolliffe, Twisted Pine, Caleb Clowder, Sam Grisman, Rick Robertson, so many people from the podcast. I uh, This is exciting, and even more exciting is you guys started this whole festival yourselves. This is yeah. mind-blowing. <laughs> Yeah, a healthy dose of ignorance and exuberance <laughs> combined. Yep. You too can start a festival. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's, it's hard enough to get one person lined up for a podcast interview. I can't imagine. And for, and for two people who did this, and we're going to talk about it, but this is like this is like a Telluride lineup. You know what I mean? This is a major festival lineup. Well, thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's that's high praise, and yeah. we'll take it. That's you know, but that's really. I mean, we just book from our hearts, um, and to her credit, Jill does all of the heavy lifting with the booking. Um, but it's just what we love, and we kind of focus on curating a, what what our dream lineup would be. And it's a lot of fun for us to sit around the house and say, "What about this? And what about that?" We draw the draw these. Venn diagrams, who overlaps with whom, and yeah. um, because you know one of our one of our big things is how can we get everyone to collaborate and kind of make those magic moments that you see at these festivals. Um, so that's very much a driving force behind our our selection process as well. You know what's great too is with a lineup like this, I mean, and this is a high powered lineup in especially in like the acoustic music world, which in you know. When you look at like the pop music world, like if you just say like Lollapalooza, that you're you know you're talking different levels. But what I love about like the 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 acoustic music is there is the ability to jam. Like these bands could pull together and play, you know, a day's worth of music if they needed to, just with random band members. You know, if you go to oh, Lollapalooza, yeah. you're gonna be lucky to see any of those people even near each other. Their entourages right. are bigger than the bands, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, isn't that such a wonderful thing about this genre is that, that that collaborative nature and the sort of shared songbook at the center of it all is is part of the essence of what makes it so special. I really don't think I would have started a podcast, honestly, if it, if, if it would have been any other style of music that I played because I would find it so unapproachable where in, in the mandolin world, it was extremely approachable even before I started a podcast, which made me think, wow, you know, I mean, if it's easy enough just to get together and hang out with some of my favorite players, maybe it's, 
maybe they want to talk mandolin and fortunately, yeah. <laughs> fortunately they did <laughs> well so it's cool. it's been so nice to get to know some of these artists as well and you know like you with doing interviews these are some of our idols um and some of these artists we've known and loved for such a long time and to get to know them as people um and to realize how down to earth they are and uh it's been such a joy to to open up that world for us and um and we're just so thrilled in the relationships that have cultivated since we've been doing this it's been very special it's a really amazing group of musicians for sure yeah, I can't. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to be there. It, and, and my wife is just as excited, which is awesome. <laughs> you know, she's Good. yeah, it's such a great lineup. So, um, before you started it in 2018, but before that, um, what you were saying you're you're both kind of musicians in a sense. And John, you played professionally, and Jill, you sing and play harp and were classically trained. Um, so. How did the idea, John, were you into this type of music when you were playing? Yes. Um, so way back in the day, I had a little bluegrass band, like the late 90s. And yeah, we were just aspiring to get into this scene, which we sort of got a little taste of, but never, you know, then life intervened and we did our own thing. Um, kept playing. And then in the, you know, in the mid, like 2010s, we just started having some house concerts and um, we had a little band and we found that we were able to, um, we were able to book gigs for ourselves where we would be an opening band. And then we would have a, a cool band like Mipso coming through town. Take your records home. I can't hear them anymore. And they they would headline it. We'd bring all, all our friends because they want to come hang out and see us and then have a great band to all sit and listen to. And this went on for a couple of years. And one of those bands was the Lonely Heartstrings Band, um, who I'm sure you're familiar with. And, and um, one time they were here and they were telling us, I think it was Maddie Whitler was telling us a story about a couple who had started a bluegrass festival and in their retirement. And, uh, and it was a nice couple. And, and we just started talking about it. We were all kayaking on a lake near our house after we'd played a gig together the night before. And, um, and we were like, gosh, that's an interesting idea. I mean, oddly, it ha we, while we thought a lot about booking shows locally, uh, a festival, I don't think had really ever been a huge no. 
topic or thought for us but like out of the blue we were like gosh i wonder if maybe we should do a festival and i remember maddie whitler said how hard could it be (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know i think so john and i have known each other for a, a super long time we've got two kids and we go to bluegrass festivals as our vacation so whether it's Northeast Bluegrass Festivals or out in Colorado, uh, we used to go to Rocky Grass every year and we'd fly out and, you know, do the whole weekend thing at Rocky Grass. And so, you know, as we got a little bit and we'd bring our kids. So we would bring them when they were young, like babies. And then so we saw we experienced the festival from an audience from audience members um, every phase of our life, you know, from when we were young and then when we had kids and then the kids got a little bit older so then we got to see the festival experience through their eyes and we just started thinking like geez there are things about the festival about festivals that we love and then there are other things that we'd be like oh wouldn't it be great if there was a festival that like did this and so we kind of started to create like these this dream of what our dream festival would be like and that's when you know maddie had the the the, it was the poignant time of maddie telling us about this other couple and um it just kind of the idea sprang to life a little bit um and then you know the other part of this whole thing is the artist oh can you hold on a sec absolutely Should I take the Yeah, I'm just going to take the uh, phone yeah. outside. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Happy to continue solo for a moment while sure, Joel sure. customers. Sorry. Oh man, please, no worries. I appreciate you doing this. In a way, I think we're really fortunate that we have other day jobs. Each of us has our own gigs aside from the festival, which. On the one hand, makes it quite challenging just from a time management standpoint. But on the other hand, is really nice because we can allow the festival to remain sort of a passion project for us rather than have it uh, weigh on us as our primary jobs, you know? Yeah. And what a great passion project, man. <laughs> it, it really is. I mean, it's the most fun. It's the most fun I've ever had working this hard, for sure. How long in advance do you have to start planning? I mean, you know, the, the, well, I mean, you've had a few years because of COVID now, but you know, when you were, once this ends this year, how soon are you looking at next year? Uh, Pretty much right away. Yeah. I mean, we actually, for the first time ever, a couple of days ago, Jill and I were talking, we said, Jill said, why don't we start penning, you know, penciling up our dream lineup for 2023 right now. And I was like, yes, let's do it. Because, you know, when the, the festival ends and you want to take a little break, um, it's usually like October when we start really getting going. And uh, sometimes, you know, that has us booking. Booking is the first step usually. And, and that has us working into February, depending on, you know, waiting to see how things route out and all of that. So um, we thought we'd try and get a jump on it this year. So we're kind of already planning 23 as we speak. That's exciting. Now, is Vermont, you know, I live in Charleston, South Carolina. Is Vermont, is that a rough routing area to get the bands in or not really? Well, that's a good question. I mean, on the one hand, the Northeast is pretty compact. Um, So 
if a band's playing in Boston or even New York, um, routing to Vermont's not too hard. And Burlington does draw some acts. They've got uh, the higher ground up there, does a lot. So it's not too tough, you know? And Albany, Albany Airport is just a little more than an hour from us. So it's not as hard as you might think it would be. I mean, uh, I would think, you know, certain places out west would be a lot tougher. But uh, Now, you started this in 2018. Yeah. Yep. So who was the first band that you guys, when you were you're, you're sitting and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to book this festival, what is the first band that you thought you wanted to land? Oh, that's a funny question. Um, we had, as part of that sort of situation I explained earlier with having bands through, um, we developed friendships with Andrew and Emily from Watch House. Um, short story there is that um, we had them come in 2013. They came and played a surprise 40th birthday show for my wife, Jill, and her twin brother, Jason. And um, that wound up, you know, I'd say that was probably a, a turning point in our whole arc here uh, because we developed a friendship with them and uh, and really re-engaged with the whole scene at that point. Um, so, so we had a friendship with them, um, through them, we had met Mipso, I think. And, uh, and also we had, a, had known Caleb for a long time. brother was a buddy of Caleb's from Portland. Um, so the first thing we did was we reached out to those three, or at least Watch House and, uh, and Caleb. And we said, we're thinking about doing this. Um, what do you think? Like, would you participate? And also, what would be the ideal scenario for you in terms of a festival? Like, what do you love about festivals and what do you think could be done better about festivals? And, uh, and we had the same conversation with Lonely Heartstrings too. As I said, they were the sort of genesis. So they were sort of our, our, uh, our input, our board of, of governors or, you know, directors to help us understand, is it feasible? Um, what would make it awesome for the bands? Because we've always approached it from the perspective that if the bands are happy and and enjoying themselves that energy and and positivity will flow flow down through everything in the festival and so those were those were the guys we contacted the guys and gals we contacted early on and got you know i still have the email we sent them and we also included a number of our uh sort of festivarian friends that we've been going to festivals with for for years and years and that was um I guess that was fall of 2016 or so, no, 2017. Oh, wow. And uh, that was the spring of 2017, I think. And then we spent the summer, um, we said, all right, if we can find a location and we can 
you know, we're going to spend the summer going to as many festivals as we can and sort of think through the mechanics and operation side of this thing. And, and we're simultaneously look for a, a location to hold this thing. And if we can, if we feel like after sort of due diligence this festival scene, we can handle the operations. And if we find a location by the fall uh, of, of 17, then we'll go ahead to do this for 18. And those are the things, those are the pieces of the puzzle that came into place during that time. And, uh, and so we went ahead with it. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that's the other thing, finding a location to, to, to put a festival on, <laughs> you know, like, you know, house shows one thing, you know, where they're coming. <laughs> like, huh. I mean, it was it, that whole summer. <laughs> so we have a, a little house up in Vermont, which is how we come to uh, be connected there. And that whole summer, Jill, was driving around Vermont with our kids, a southern Vermont mostly, um, and I'd be like on the phone in my office on Google Maps following her and saying, oh, wait a minute, go down this road and look at that big field. Uh, it looks like it's got, you know, it's got a stream and it's got good highway access or something, you know. So that was, uh, that was a real challenge. Oh, wow. And then, I mean, I would imagine permits, you have to meet with, I mean, how, do you do one meeting with a bunch of people from a city or do you have to have like separate meetings with different people to get permits? Yeah, it's an interesting point. You know, each municipality has a different approach. Like there's a couple municipalities up there um, where you could pretty much do whatever you wanted and know, you know, you know, you'd be fine. And then there are others up there where, you know, you could never do this. And then there's state regulations on top of that. Um, but luckily for us, I have to say Manchester has been so welcoming and and willing to work with us and help us make this work. You know, they want it. They, they see that it's good for the town. And you know, and I know, and everyone that probably listens to this show knows, the Bluegrass uh, Festival attendee is really kind of a model citizen. And like, <laughs> right. what, what, what town wouldn't want to have a few thousand of these people descend on their town? And, you know, shop at the shops, visit the restaurants, stay in the hotels. I mean, it's really a fantastic group of people. So luckily for us, Manchester, the town of, recognized that. And, um, and they had actually just changed their uh, event ordinance to make it a little easier for this sort of thing. So I, I, could, I have nothing but good experience there in terms of the permitting. I was terrified of it uh, myself. And certainly, because like where we are in New Jersey, it would be very difficult to do this from a permanent standpoint. But uh, but they've made it very easy. And, you know, we work directly with the town manager and the chief of police. And and now, especially that we've done it a few years and they see what kind of a, a scene it is. I think it's just uh, it's a win win. Uh, kudos to the hard work. Like I can't even, uh, I'm just sitting here just scratching my head again. Like I'm looking at this giant lineup and just the logistics and, and just thinking about like starting from scratch would be like, Oh, <laughs> I, I, I'm really impressed by the amount of tenacity it had to have been to do the first year. What was it like that first year for, for you guys? Was it, was it overwhelming? I mean, was it, did it run smooth? <laughs> it's, you know, it's again, the lineup for 2018. It's, it's great. Cause you have the past lineups here on the website. It's, it's also a really big lineup. And it's got Peter Rowan, Rowan, uh, mandolin, orange watch house, Sierra hall, Mipso. I mean, Molly Tuttle, uh, uh, it, that's just the top two lines. 
Yeah, no, it was, we, we were psyched. It was a great lineup. Peter Rowan was amazing. I mean, he was so all in. It, he got rained out. Um, to answer your earlier question, yes, it was overwhelming. Uh, <laughs> it's over, always overwhelming, but we had heavy weather that first year, and uh, Peter Rowan got rained out. All the musicians wound up heading back to this little cabin um, that we had we had next to the property and the most mighty awesome jam ensued and like every you'd open a bedroom door and there'd be like you know joe walsh uh sitting on the floor with maddie whitler you know and five other people just picking out the most beautiful tunes all throughout this place during this rainstorm and then at like midnight this figure comes walking through the dark, kind of slowly shuffling a little bit. And it's Peter Owen, come to, come to join the party. So, I mean. That was like just magic. It was a great example of how uh, sort of calamity can turn into a magic moment, and uh, and that was that was what it was all about that year. It was sort of like being overwhelmed and dealing with uh, this and that, and all the while kind of seeing something really beautiful develop. And we we got the sense, and it seems like our our attendees got the sense as well that this really is something special and the vibe is is i think pretty unique and um so as as overwhelming and challenging as it was it was incredibly rewarding spiritually and uh and it was like well i guess i guess we're doing this now this is wow. our thing. what was the when after 2018 what was the first thing that you're like, okay, we definitely have to do this differently in 2019. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Great question. Um, you know, I know we kind of compiled a list of, of feedback. We, uh, we're very fortunate to find ourselves with some crew chiefs from other festivals um, that really knew what they were doing because – be perfectly honest, and this may be obvious, we really didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> so, uh, so we solicited our our various crew chiefs, who came from Red Wing Roots and Gray Fox, and uh, and some other festivals, for their feedback on what should be done differently. Um, but you know, I'd say thankfully, and and as a result of having had those good folks on our team. Um, a lot, we didn't have a lot of like we've got to do this totally differently next year. It was, you know, it certainly needed a lot of tweaking. But instead of like one major thing, it was just like two hundred smaller items. <laughs> right. Yeah. How, 
what about sound? How, did you have to? Did you just reach out to somebody and be like, "Holy cow, what type of sound requirements?" I mean, you know, each band's got so many different things, and and you know, acoustic music can be kind of tough. Well, it seems as easy as throwing some mics up. It's not always as easy to mix and get a great sound. Oh, for sure, one hundred percent. And having been to many festivals and been on the stage at festivals, <laughs> um, I was keenly aware of that. And so, right from the get go. We said we are getting whatever the best uh, production company and sound engineers we can find. We're not going to slap dash our own PA together and do this ourselves because nothing's worse than being at a festival and then you start getting the feedback, which is unpleasant. But then <laughs> the feedback sticks around and now the musician is annoyed at it. And now the musician's not happy. And now the, the audience is sensing that. And that's just a negative spiral that we just we're so keen to avoid right from the get-go. So um, luckily we had some friends in, in the biz who were able to point us towards uh, Atomic Audio, um, which is a production company out of Vermont. And uh, so they know the lay of the land. They do shows of all sizes. They've got incredible engineers. And uh, so we've made a great partnership with them. They've been a key component of the whole thing. And they're back again, of course, this year. And, um, and they love it too. So it's, you know, they, I think they, they find it a refreshing change from some of the bigger shows they do. Um, but that was, that was like number one consideration kind of right in line with everything else we were thinking about was how do we make sure that the audio experience is awesome for both the performers and, uh, and for the audience, of course. Oh man, that's so smart. And then the, the, the lineup for 2019 was, I mean, you look at a 2018 lineup, you're like, wow, that's a great lineup. And you look at the 2019 lineup, you're like, wow, <laughs> that's a great lineup. <laughs> you know, the, the same with this year. Um, yeah, yeah, we got uh, Sam Bush headlining, who, again, is just one of my all-time, all-time favorite musicians and one of the reasons why I play. So that's, that's awesome. And Daryl Scott, that's great. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, we were... So for, first of all, Sam was fantastic and what a guy, I mean, just, you know, so positive, can do, easygoing. I mean, everything you think he was uh, from his performances, he is and more. And then of course, just the ultimate mandolin player and showman. Um, so that was fantastic. And Daryl Scott, yeah, same thing. I mean, Daryl, um, we were big, fans back from the Tim O'Brien, Daryl Scott days and, and found him that way and just are such huge fans of him. Weary blues from waiting Now Lord, I've been waiting too long that was that was kind of a dream come true for us too and again it's like i said earlier like we just think about all the stuff we listen to and what it, what would we like to see and and then just start making those calls as i said jill thankfully makes those calls <laughs> yeah i have to ask jill about those when we when we get her back on the line That's... oh i think actually uh, her last customer just left so let me go back oh sweet that. sweet <laughs> she's back online awesome <laughs> Sorry about that. No, please don't. That's what I think it adds to the podcast showing. I mean, you 
you guys are like all of you know. You're like all of us. You're music fans who decided to put on a killer festival. <laughs> I love it. Um, but what I was going to say, and I want to get back to it because it's important to me. Unless you've covered it already, John, was that another thing? We were at Rocky Grass with a Lonely Heartstring Band, and we were hanging out with with Patrick and with Allison DeGroote. And it was before they got married. And I was like, oh, aren't you guys so happy you get to be at this beautiful festival together? And they're like, what are you talking about? We overlap for two hours. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that's the team. And I was like, that's crazy. And they're like, yep, that's just what it is. And so we decided that we were going to try to make a festival so that the artists could come and have fun together and be there for as long as they wanted so that it could be, you know, like we could make them happy because they're hanging out with one another. And then they would bring that happiness to the stage and that would translate to the audience. And that's something that we really think about when we book um, is how to get all of these artists are like great friends and, and partners in a lot of cases. And so it's really, that's been a very nice aspect too, is just to get them and try to get them for the weekend so that they can be there and hang out together. And it works. It's been great. That's so cool. So let's see, we are going to, I want to talk to you Jill a little bit about the booking process. Ah, yeah. Great. Yeah. So again, um, Looking at, you know, the, you started with 2018. We, we, I mentioned the lineup a few moments ago, but how did you start? Like what, especially going from, you know, you've done some, you know, house shows and different things, things like that. But, you know, what's the first step when you decide to add just a ton of killer bands to a weekend? Well, the um, typically what we do is we start with a theme and we really book six degrees of separation because of what I said earlier, you know, like we want these bands to collaborate with one another and to be together and hang out together. So we, t we generally start with one or two bands and then we separate it out and we kind of book, you know, outward from that. Um, so it kind of works that way. Um, and, and so that's it. Like every year we kind of start with, one or two bands and then we say okay if this then that um and the other thing that's always been important to us is booking as john said earlier with our hearts so we like to not just think about bands and musicians that are widely known because you know if you dissect some of these bands and, you know, know that some of these musicians have side projects or they've done a recording like Dominic Leslie and Rick Robertson, you know, so we take a band as a whole and then we kind of look into each individual musician in the band and then say, okay, who did they do a recording with? Who are they playing with? in when they're not touring with this band and you know it's a it's like an explosive experience because so many of these artists are so prolific that they're just continually recording and you know um and 
that's a big part of our process is, you know, not just looking at the band, but kind of diving deeper and looking into um, who they're playing with uh, when they're not touring and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. I love that you have, I'm going to say the album wrong again, but the E and a or E and a album band playing. How did that come up? Well, um, the, we've, I mean, for 2020, we had Daryl Anger and, um, Bruce Molsky and Michael Daves booked and they could not come. Um, and so we wanted, you know, Joe Walsh has always been a huge part of the festival and we, we love Joe and everything he does we were in the car one day driving in Vermont and we, uh, we were listening to the ENA CD and we were like, God, this music is so good. <laughs> also, I should say in 2020, we had Courtney Hartman booked. Um, and so we, you know, again, not just taking a look at the, the band, but dissecting it down. And we were like, ENA, what a dream team. We have Daryl Langer, we've got Joe Walsh, Courtney Hartman, um, you know, Lucas Poole, Sharon Gilchrist. So then we were like, hmm, wonder if we could try to get that to happen. And over the years, we've gotten to become really, you know, good friends and collaborators with some of these booking agents. So I called Joe Walsh's booking agent, Molly Farr, who will listen to any harebrained idea that we have. <laughs> and... Uh, and she was like, heck yeah, let's try to get it to happen. Um, <clears throat> Dan, I think you were right earlier when you said Ienda. Really? Yeah, because it's one Ienda to two Ienda. <laughs> you guys, well, this is a question for Daryl. <laughs> listening? That's <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> All right, so Jill's got a customer I'm taking back. Yeah, over yeah, here. you got it. I love this. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you like it. Yeah, man. No, I just again, it lends to the authenticity of this festival, man. It's so cool. Like it's it's a, it's a labor of love that you're doing outside of of your daily lives, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I guess is. so. It is part of a, your daily life though because you're big music fans. Yeah, it is absolutely. And uh and fortunately for me, you know, I'm uh I run a residential real estate company. And July and August are, tend to be kind of quiet in the real estate world. So I could be sitting at my desk and, you know, hammering out contracts with our ATM provider or whatever. Um, <laughs> so, so it's amazing how fortuitous the whole situation is. Um, speaking, you know, you mentioned, she mentioned the lineup of 2020, obviously that, that um, came up and affected everybody, but what was, did, were you planning a 2021 at one point as well? I mean, it seems like you probably might have been because everybody thought maybe it would be ready to go, but. Um, 2021, we actually just totally bailed on 
and said, because we were, you know, Vermont was a, was among the more aggressive in terms of COVID control. And so we thought the unknowns were so unknown. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was such an uncertain regulatory climate that we didn't really even want to dip our toe in that water. Um, and likewise for 2022, when once, you know, the, the restrictions had all been lifted, we thought hundred percent pedal to the metal, let's go. And now were there bands then, did you run into anything with, cause I know so many bands had commitments to different things. And then suddenly all these, you know, all, events get canceled, gigs get canceled, tours, festivals get canceled. Now everybody's like playing more than they've ever played because they're committed to other things that they've done. Did you run into any scheduling conflicts with that? I mean, it, looking at the lineup, it doesn't seem like it because the lineup is killer. But <laughs> um, You know, Jill would be the better one to answer that. But I think that um, we, I don't really think we did, I, I, but you're right. I mean, people are busy catching up, playing makeup shows and all of that. And that's definitely a factor. Um, but, you know, back to our kind of approach and our theme is we, we try and give the bands the, just the ultimate experience. Um, and we want to be, we want to be one of those festivals that they're all psyched to go to. Like let's, you know, this, we want it to be like a, uh, not quite a vacation, but like maybe summer camp for the weekend for them where they get to see their old friends. And so, you know, hopefully that's starting to play out a little bit in terms of, you know, of getting people to come um, where they, we, we want them to, cry, to prioritize our event because they love it, you know? Just like, you know, Rick and Sam and uh, Dom, you know, it's just, just I had the Rick and, you know, Dom on the podcast. Sam was in the background every now and again. And I mean, it's just, it's like a bigger version of that hang. You know, they just all happen to be there and now they get the chance to, uh, you know, all be together in one place i mean shoot it looks like half of the uh some of those big um the mandolin symposium group are there <laughs> Feely and sarah and, uh, and joe walsh and and dominic and jake uh, yeah it's it's wild man yeah for sure no you're right it's like the it's like the mandolin and beer podcast extravaganza dude when i saw this lineup i'm like all right <laughs> i gotta I got to see if there's any way I can can help be involved in this, and this is this is I am so excited I can't even begin to tell you, man. It's I this love is great. it. I love your enthusiasm. Thank you so much. Oh man, yeah, for sure. Thank you for putting in all the work. Do you have any? Um, I mean, I, it's probably hard to list some of your favorite moments from all this, but I've got to imagine there've been a couple magical things that have happened that have stuck out in your mind that weren't scheduled. You know, kind of like that jam in a cabin, you know? <laughs> yeah, the jam in the cabin is definitely one. The uh, Rowan jam? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's um, amazing. We have a late, a late night stage called the Lamplighter stage, which is sort of the ultimate, like, put the friends together and turn them loose to do whatever they want set. And, um, and that's where a lot of magical moments happen, especially. Like, last in 2019, I keep wanting to say last year, but in 2019... Um, Mipso, we asked Mipso to do a late night set and they said, what do you want us to do? And we were like, oh, just do whatever you want. Like that's kind of our usual guidance with this. And um, so we didn't hear what they were going to do until it was pretty late. I, I think, think it was like the day before. I think they decided it 
like the morning of. Yeah, the, I think the day before the morning of, they decided they were going to do all 90s country hits. Oh, wow. And first of all, I was like, what? <laughs> right. And John uh, was not listening to country music in the 90s. I can tell you that right now. I was not either. So, uh, can I tell you, that was like one of the most special, magical moments it was. Uh, of those guys playing songs I didn't even know I knew so well. Yeah. And they nailed it. They nailed it. So. And they had like everyone in the audience was singing along and it just was a very special moment. And for having just decided, like we said, the night before the day of, they killed it. And it was just, that's the... That's, those are the magic moments that, you know, you give these artists the freedom and leeway to do whatever they want to do. And they come up with brilliance. It's so cool. Another another favorite moment I'll share. I'm sorry, but you can jump in, Jill, if, if you want. Um, is in 2019, then Mandolin Orange, now Watch House, <clears throat> on stage, doing Andrew's song down from Green Mountain, which he'd written at the previous Green Mountain with Christian Settlemeyer up there and Brittany Haas up there. And uh, I mean, the waterworks were just, yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's like that, 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 that had to be one of the highlights. Uh, it was such a beautiful rendition of a song that the festival had uh, inspired in Andrew's writing and, uh, and just to see those, amazing players up there on that stage with the green mountain banner behind them. Yeah. It's like, Oh my God. Like I said before, very spiritually rewarding. Yeah. Jill, you got uh, any any moments out there that stand out really in your mind as as just like you know can't believe this is happening. I mean, definitely uh, what John said; those two moments for sure, in different ways. I mean, one I was laughing hysterically with the Mipso, and the other I was crying with you know, <laughs> hysterically. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I would definitely say, you know, the, the quote unquote tribute sets that we have done have been, um, you know, we never know what to expect with them in 2018. Uh, we had just gotten to know Jordan Tice and, um, we kind of threw out the tribute to him and kind of, you know, came up with the idea of the John Hartford tribute and Jordan, it's a lot of work for these artists to organize and Jordan did such a beautiful and masterful job in creating a whole set of John Hartford tribute songs all done by different artists and we didn't know what he was doing we didn't know how he was setting it up we knew nothing but we sat in the audience with everybody else and we were like, oh my god it was so good culminating in Steam Powered Aeroplane at the last you know, the last song with like 18 people on stage. It was so good. Yeah. And, and then 
so then the next year, um, we were talking to Christian Settlemeyer, who, you know, Christian and Jordan have become our sort of consigliers yeah. at the festival. We get feedback like, what did the artists like? What did the, there wasn't enough uh, vegan offerings backstage, that kind of thing. And we tweak things based on on their feedback. Air conditioning in the green room. Yeah. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, what? But but so we were talking to Christian about uh, the 2019 tribute set, and you know we were huge, huge um, Strength in Numbers fans, and all the guys in Strength in Numbers, and I just. Personally, and I think I speak for Jill, and I say I think it's maybe the best piece of recorded music of all yeah. time. And uh, so we sort of sheepishly said to Christian, like, do you think that you could ever do that as a tribute set? And and he laughed. And yeah. he was like, oh, ha, ha, yeah, that would be awesome. And then wouldn't you know it? He was like, I think we actually can. And I don't know how he organized all of these players that lived all over the country. It's not like they all lived in Nashville that they could practice. And he organized practice times and, um, and you know, got these incredible people to play and do the whole Strength in Numbers album. Which they delivered, I would say, flawlessly. Yeah. I mean, it was just absolutely mind-blowing how they pulled that off. Do you remember who the lineup was for it? Sure, yeah. It was Christian on fiddle, Mike Witcher on the dobro, Daniel Kimbrough on the bass, Dom Dominic Wesley on mandolin, and Wes Corbett on the banjo. Yep, and then Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh. And Jordan Tice sat in on... Yeah, Joe Walsh came in for um, the the twin mandolin one. Oh, Macedonia? Uh, Macedonia? Macedonia, yep. Jordan came in for slopes um, to play the guitar, and uh, and the, and the, I mean, in addition to just being a, a mind blowing set and performance and everything, the fact that they even you know agreed to do that, which had to be even for people of their incredible skill level, that had to be a fairly sizable undertaking. Yeah, and then um, so then I I had the job of driving um, Sam Bush to the festival from his hotel room. That, and, you know, Sam Bush was playing, what, later? No, the night before? Uh, the, after. Yeah. Sam Bush was at the yeah. festival. Oh, no, he before. played the night before. He played the night and before. So I was like, so I'm um, just curious, what do you think about the fact that we're doing <laughs> <laughs> Strength in Numbers? He was like, oh, man, I, I couldn't believe that. You know, he's like, Jerry Douglas called me up. He's like, because, you know, Christian plays in Jerry Douglas's band. And I was like, can, can you believe these guys are doing it? And they were like, hey, if they, you know. We, we did it already. If they want to do it, yeah. more power to them. And he was so cool and gracious about the whole thing. Yeah. Well, actually, I think one of the one of the best moments for me, and I think I speak for you, John, too, is that that year we were in Telluride 
and earlier, so Telluride's in June, we're in August, and somebody was listening to, uh, what's a radio station that... Um, uh, uh, I can't remember. But anyway, KU. KU, whatever the radio station is in Telluride that, like, you know, um, records the whole... Yeah, broad, like broadcasts whole it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So someone was interviewing one of the string dusters, and they were talking about their favorite albums and, you know, whatnot. And one of the string dusters was like, yeah, you know, Strength in Numbers is one of our my favorite albums. And I hear there's this festival in Vermont or in the Northeast somewhere that's actually putting a set together to do all of Strength in Numbers. That's crazy. And someone <laughs> called us and was like, oh my God, you guys were just on, it's like KYO or something, just on the radio station at Telluride talking about the Strength in Numbers set. And that was like the epitome for us. We thought that was so cool. That's because amazing. of course Telluride is, you know, like the most iconic festival ever. Um, so that was a, that was a nice little moment. And, and yeah, we owe it all to these great musicians who are like, just jump on board. Like, heck yeah, we'll do, you know, you come up with these ideas and we'll run with them. And, you know, like this year for the, um, rice and skags, that's such, um, a, such an important album for so many bluegrass musicians and i certainly remember the first time i heard it i think we were with a group of people um in oregon and we were like let's sit down and learn every song note for note and that's what we did that weekend we were like oh my god we're gonna sit down and learn this whole album and um we, you know, of course, Tony Rice is is such an important musician to all of us, and we thought this is a great year to do to do something like this, and we can't wait to see what Jordan and Christian come up with. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And again, we won't know. We will have absolutely no idea. <laughs> we'll be sitting in the audience with everybody else to experience this whole thing. And that is what is really great for the two of us. I mean, we're still audience members at the end of it, you know? I was gonna ask that. I was like, do you get to enjoy this after all this work? Well, well especially Sunday we, afternoon, yes. Well, we, I'll say this, we pick and, you know, we can't sit and listen to all the music, sadly, but we do pick our sets and, uh, and if we're lucky, we take our radios off to enjoy them, so we're do, not interrupted. <laughs> I do try and get a little bit of um, everything. As, everything if we can. I yeah. mean, just stopping by for a tune or two, because like like we've said over and over again, like we love everybody on this lineup, and that means 11 a.m. or 10 yeah. p.m. Like we want to at least hear a little bit of each of them if we can. Yeah, it's true. And the good thing, and I don't know if you and John have talked about this, but the festival site and just being in Southern Vermont um, is it's so easy to get to. There's so Manchester is such a cool town. You know, so often bluegrass festivals are in the middle of nowhere, and you know it's hard to get provisions, especially if you're flying in. And um, the fact that you could wake up in the morning and, you know, go for a hike or go to a river to swim or go out and get an incredible breakfast in town and go to the bookstore, which is one of the best bookstores in the country, in my opinion. Or you could stay in like a four star, you know, five star hotel or you can camp or you can do 
you know, it, it's that town and that location um, is so great for every type of person. So it makes it so that people who are like, I don't know if I'm going to go to a bluegrass festival and camp in the field. Well, you don't have to do that. You can go stay in a hotel and then just, you know, come and listen to the music. So um, we're so lucky to be in such a great location. And the festival site itself is, you know, one big flat open 20 acre field in a fishbowl of mountains. So you could be at the river taking a dip and still hear the stage. Oh, wow. Um, you could be at your campsite, you know, getting ready for the night, like putting on your jeans and your sweatshirt and hear what's going on on the stage. So that is something um, that we love about, you know, this festival and this site that it's just so accessible to everything. And it just makes it, you know, a really enjoyable experience. You don't have to like, you know, walk 25 minutes to get it you know, to the festival site and, and the size is nice too. It's, it's not huge. Um, it's the perfect size. Um, so, you know, you just can move around freely and the food's really good and our craft vendors are awesome. So it's, it, there's a lot that goes into it. That's not just about the music, although that's what we're all there for. Um, but like our kids experience is, is amazing. And, um, you know, all that stuff adds to the overall experience. I'm excited to swim. In, I'm excited to swim in a river that doesn't have alligators, possibly. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it's more. It's more of a creek. Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> a, a trout or a crayfish is probably the most fearsome thing you'll find. Yeah. Well, man, I I am I am so excited, and 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 your graciousness with you know let me come to the festival and 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 be present is so appreciated i'm really looking forward to it and i i wonder do you have is there a dream band on here or a dream band for each of you yet that hasn't been on the festival because this yeah. lineup is killer but yes most definitely can you mention it or is I, it no i mean it changes every year you know we're pr like if you asked us this in you know 2017 i i would say you know, I mean, Punch Brothers has definitely been on our dream wish list for such a long time. Um, but, you know, every single one of these artists, and as I said, not just the band as a whole, but every single one of the artists that, you know, makes up these bands are just, you know, some of our idols. And we're so excited, but we're always, you know, excited about what's going to happen the current year and then just always continuing to think about who what the dream could be in the future you know or else you know i think we would stop already because we've had all of our dream bands mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> right, know, like, right. what you know and at some point always in the booking process we're like gosh if we can make this happen and if this really happens how could we top this but then of course you know you think about the possibility of, you, you know, even bringing Sam Bush back, um, even though we've had him or, or David Grisman, um, or, you know, Gillian and David. Ooh. I mean, you never know. <laughs> so there are, we always have, um, you know, our dreams of what could be, um, but right now our dream lineup is what's on the twenty. 22 poster and it's 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 
these bands and these musicians and we're we just can't wait it's funny you were talking about you know like the the dreams and the possibilities and when you and i talked um initially a few months ago they still hadn't announced the american acoustic with watch yeah. house punch brothers and sarah Joes, but you were kind of like no i think i'm not I, you know yeah. i don't I, I can't really mention anything i know it's in there but you were like <laughs> it was definitely kind of like in the spin and then a few weeks later that you know it was officially announced i'm like oh man she must be so stoked right now <laughs> it was oh, just yeah. like, we we were working on that for a for a long time for sure um but yeah, that's that's a really cool. You know, we've known about the American acoustic concept, and uh, Punch Brothers is so so cool to be doing things like this, and we love that. I mean, it's it's such a brilliant idea. Um, but we are. I mean, I don't think we could have picked better bands to see collaborate on one stage. I mean, I cannot wait to see these musicians playing together. Um, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, definitely. Hey, Dan, yeah. before we go, are we going to talk about beer? I, that was literally my next question, man. <laughs> that was literally my next question. I was like, I got one more question oh, yeah. for it. We've talked plenty of mandolin, um, but I got to ask what your favorite beers are. Well, I love Fiddlehead, and it just so happens Fiddlehead is our, our IPA at the festival and our, our beer sponsor. But I mean, there, to me, it's one of the better, one of the best IPAs, and it's also just the taste of GMBR yeah. at this point. It's yeah. like, it's so good. So we're, we're super psyched to be working with those guys, and I always love me a good Fiddlehead. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, New Jersey has some good beers now as well. And New York too. I mean, we, we get other half here from New York and New Jersey's got um, Kane and Magnify who make some, some great beers. Um, so, you know, it used to be you kind of had to go to Vermont if you wanted anything like that, or yeah. I guess Boston, right? Cause we do love Treehouse and um, Trillium, but, uh, but yeah, but, Seriously, Fiddlehead is just awesome, and they've been great partners for us, too. So I'm psyched that they're coming back. I'm psyched to drink one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's like drinking, to me, it's like drinking a Guinness in Ireland. Oh, wow, yeah. Like Green Mountain Blue Jacks. Oh, it's I like, love it's, it. That's good. Uh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. I love it. How about you, Jill? Do you have a favorite one? Oh, I'm not a crazy huge beer drinker, but Fiddlehead is absolutely um you know, top of list for me. So uh, I would say Fiddlehead. What do you sure. like when it? She likes kind of a wheat beer when. when oh, the time like is right. in the summertime, I like uh, you know a wheat beer with a slice of honey. I mean, orange in it. I think that's like yeah. summertime. Absolutely, Oberon's one of my all-time favorites from Bell's. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's such a good beer. That's one of my go-tos. And uh, Two Hearted is is one of our old-time favorites from back in the day. Since yeah. you mentioned Bell's, absolutely, yeah. Man, you guys, thank you so much for taking the time out of your days. Oh, I mean, and obviously busy schedule, as we saw. Just a, yeah, <laughs> multiple sorry times. About no, that. please don't apologize. <laughs> it was amazing to. I think it really it puts a picture together of of what it is this that you guys have done and and just the amount of work. I mean, it's it's commendable, and I'm so excited, and I'm sure all the people are. And if you haven't gotten tickets yet, are there still tickets available for the festival? Oh, yeah, there certainly are. Um, you know, there should be for a little while yet. 
they're, they're selling briskly, but we've got we've got plenty left. Also, we have a few tricks up our sleeve that we haven't announced yet. Um, with <laughs> <laughs> that's true. There's one in particular. Yeah. So um, uh, we well, are this would be a great uh, great place to announce it. Well, we you know our lamplighter John mentioned the lamplighter stage, um, and it's definitely one of our favorites. Uh, it's it's basically like you're in someone's um, you know backyard listening to some of the best musicians on the planet just jamming with one another by a bonfire. Um, so that's uh, you know what we do is we have two sets on Lamplighter a night, and we ask um, a musician or a couple of musicians to host that Lamplighter. Um, and they play, you know, their their songs, or they do whatever they want to do. Actually, as John said, um, so we are just about to announce the hosts for the Lamplighter for Friday and Saturday. So, should we do it? Well, you're the one that knows the rules. <laughs> well, I will say um, Friday night is an easy one to announce, and we are we couldn't have have lined this up any better, but um, we're gonna start the night out with your and our favorite mandolin players, uh, Dominic Leslie and Rick Robertson. <sighs> so they're gonna be doing a lamplighter set. Uh -huh. And then uh, they're gonna hand it over to Brittany Haas, who is going to uh, have a couple guests up and she's gonna finish out the night on Friday night at Lamplighter. And Brittany has been part of the festival for such a long time. Um, well, for our two years. Relative <laughs> uh, to the total number of years we've been yeah, doing it, but, um, percent of the time. She's so cool. Uh, you know, her fiddle prowess is, um, you know, is is legendary um but this new album that she did um hearing britney on the banjo is you know yeah. just deepens our appreciation for who she is as a musician um and as a person too she's just so cool so we're so excited to hand it over to her and we can't wait to see what she does so that's going to be amazing and then on saturday night um we're we're changing the rules a little bit and we're letting three musicians take the whole night um because they we can't sequester them to sets because left to their own devices they'll play until um sun comes up easily <laughs> we've seen it we've been there to witness it um but we are having jordan tice and andrew marlin and christian settlemeyer oh my um, gosh head the lamplighter on saturday night so <laughs> we and i will tell you uh you know as you know saturday night is uh is it going to be a pretty big night it's when american acoustic plays leftover salmon um is ending the night on the main stage and then it's going to morph into the lamplighter so there are going to be a lot of musicians there on saturday night. so if they like to stay up late i feel certain that they'll make their way over to the lamplighter stage at some point. So we have, again, we have no idea what we're going to see, no idea what to expect. All I know is that I'm going to be front row. <laughs> <laughs> and well-deserved. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, so that's, that's exciting. And uh, we've, you know, the lamplighter is such a favorite to us that we've uh, changed the location a teeny bit and we made it uh, you know even more special so it's in its own separate field it's going to be lit beautifully our lighting designers like coming up with these brilliant ideas 
Um, so it's going to be crazy cool and we can't wait for that. So there you're Ooh, hearing it. First. All right, man. That's <laughs> exciting. Thank you yeah. so much for sharing that. I can't, I, yeah. I, 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 I'm telling you, I just like, this last hour now, my head is just exploding with it. <laughs> I was so excited about it before talking with y'all, and now I can't even, yeah, I can't even believe it. And it's so close. So, well, guys, thank you so much for doing the podcast. I really, truly appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for asking us. Oh, it's, for it's, sure. I mean, I just, really I, wonderful. Just, just the, the story of how you guys decided to put together a, music festival and just like a mind-blowingly incredible lineup one is even it's just it's inspiring so yeah i can't wait thank you thank you so much for for your enthusiasm for the project and and your support of the music and for for having us on absolutely man thank you guys all right thank you so much to jill and john for doing the podcast i am so excited for the for the festival as if you couldn't tell um if you're going check shoot me a message i'd love to meet you and um i'm going to be around the east coast as well a few days before the the uh, festival looking for who knows bookstores music stores food breweries um, the, the, the days are wide open. So if you have any recommendations out East there, I think we're flying into Boston. Um, let me know. And again, go get tickets to this festival. This is, this is a huge, huge mandolin centric festival. And I'm, and I hope to see you at the festival. This is, this is about as mandolins and beerish as you can get, I think. So, uh, you guys have yourselves a fantastic weekend. Cheers, everybody.